Hi, and welcome to the Daring to Leap podcast. I'm your host, Lori Phillip. I'm so excited to dive into this week's episode with you. This week, we're speaking with Donna Starr, the author of Unsuccessfully Successful. Donna has an incredible story to share about her leap out of corporate into a new chapter of her life. Donna opens up about the signs that led her to make this life-changing decision, the importance of following our intuition and why trusting ourselves is so crucial. We also explore the topic of burnout and share tips on how to recognize it, address it, and make meaningful changes. Let's dive in. Donna Starr is a highly sought after certified executive coach and professional speaker after a successful 30-year career in corporate America. She is the author of the book, Unsuccessfully Successful. At the heart of Donna's success is her ability to connect with people in a deep and meaningful way. She is smart, funny, intuitive, and says it like it is. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. I am so happy to be here. I love the name of your podcast, and I love everything that you stand for for women. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I think where I want to start with you is you've had a 30-year career in corporate. What was it? Take us back to the end of that time that made you decide I think it's time to close this chapter of my life and move into something new. Can you share with us your journey there? Yeah, sure. I knew for a very long time that my corporate career was no longer serving me. And I was fortunate to work in a company that always found new opportunities for me. So I am very, very grateful for my corporate life and that they were like, oh, you don't want to do this anymore? Try this. Or So I was very, very blessed. But my moment was my daughter was graduating college and she was moving away and she was my youngest. I have two kids and I really wanted to spend the summer with her and and travel, which we didn't. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. I did because COVID happened right after that. So I had a natural endpoint with not paying for kids' college tuition anymore. But even deeper than that, it was just time to go. And... It was time for my company to let me go and it was time for me to leave. It was really mutual, although I gave my notice. I really felt like I had done everything that I set out to do in my corporate career. Mm -hmm. And my body was giving me signals. You and I talked about that and we'll probably dive into that more later. But my body, I wasn't able to digest food at the end of my corporate career. Like my basic staple of salads. Couldn't eat. I couldn't (laughs) take them. Wow. Yes, we'll dive into that a bit more. Did you know what your career was going to look like or what you wanted to do when you were leaving, you resigned and put in your notice in your corporate career? What, what was your plan at that point in time? The reason I wanted to be on your specific podcast, Daring to Leap, is because I dared to leap. Mm. And it was the first time in my life that I ended something without knowing what was next. I knew I wasn't done. A lot of people, at, I, I left my corporate career at 56, and a lot of people might have said, hey, I'll take early retirement, I'll work part-time, I'll do whatever. But I knew that I had a whole lot more left in me, but I didn't have a plan. And somebody that I had met, newly met, one of my daughter's friends' mothers, and said, hey, I'm going, I'm in a coaching program called IPEP. I think you'd really like it. And I signed up for it before I went to Europe. and. I think part of me went into that program because I wanted to be able to tell people 
who asked me, what are you going to do now? Mm -hmm. I wanted to default, but I didn't realize until I went into the program that I had found my thing because I took a leap. Yeah, it's so hard sometimes to take that leap without knowing what you're going to do, especially I think being in corporate for so long where everything is planned out down to the sentence in an email or everything is so scripted and plans and upon planning. And so it's when you move from that and you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm done with this career. I'm not done with career generally, but for, with this career. And, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I think I want to talk, shift into talking a bit about some of the signs you were getting because in our last conversation, we talked a bit about feeling burnt out and that feeling of burnout. Tell me a bit about how that came through for you. I have so much to say on the topic of burnout, and I know that there are lots of books written about it. But the reality was in my corporate career, if you weren't burned out, we didn't actually think we were doing it right. So it was actually, it felt more to me like the norm as opposed to the exception. Now, mm -hmm. I, I know it's changed since COVID, so I don't want to throw all companies under the bus. But we were, we were like all of us begging for, to get to Friday. So it wasn't just me. So in that context, it was harder to know, unless you really look inside, it was harder to know if I was at my breaking point because mm -hmm. I was like, well, she's doing it, he's doing it, there, everybody else is doing it, so it must be the norm. But it wasn't right. until I realized I was so deeply unhappy. I was never really aligned with my corporate career. Again, grateful for my corporate career. It was about me, not about them. They're going to. They're going to take every ounce of what I want to give them. And I was very good at my job, maybe the best mm -hmm. at what I did. So I ignored the signs for a very long time until I just couldn't, until my body gave out. But the other signs, which were more common, sorry, I'm giving you a longer answer here, but I don't think I'm alone assuming that other people and companies feel burnout across the board. And that seems to be the standard. Mm -hmm. And I just really don't think I'm alone there. So for me, though, my kids... And my partner at the time and my family would all look at me like I had six heads. I'd be on vacation. I'd be hanging out of trees, cars, in quiet zones at vacations. I literally was on vacation with my family, hoping we had Wi-Fi on the boat. So hoping that we would come closer to shore to get renewal on contracts. And my, fin my son finally looked at me one day and said, Mom, this is not normal. Like, you have got to stop. And it really hit me. He, he's always been sort of a harbinger for me to change things. And my daughter, too. Mm -hmm. When I was younger and I gave my notice the first time, he said, you know, it's been enough time being my mom. So, you know, as a single mom, we don't have a lot of choices all the time, but more choices than we think we do. So mm -hmm. that was very long-winded. All that to say... You have to be able to do the work to look into yourself and see, does this serve me? And I think a lot of people run on autopilot and assume that that's a given and that you have no other choice when in fact you do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the there is so much burnout. That hasn't changed, I don't believe, at the macro level because even with COVID, women in professional work 
in corporate and, and they were expected to do their job and continue take to care take of care family. of their family when their kids were at home, their kids, you know what I mean? It was like, yes, and, and don't, don't drop the ball on what you were doing, even For though sure. we were having even more responsibility put on us. No, during that time, the report would would show that. Sorry, that what you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. The reason I think it's a slightly different is that we were all in the office together, commiserating. Whereas on mm. Zoom, I don't think you're you're like sitting next to the audience and can, can we just end the week? Maybe that's happening on Zoom. I do think COVID put much more on women and men because there was mm-hmm. no separation, and I think it was harder. And the McKinsey report would say that more women have left the workforce. In fact, we lost all the gains that we made pre-COVID. Yeah, it was the great breakup was the theme of that McKinsey report. We did an episode on it at the beginning of this podcast, first few episodes. I really, I want to go back to what you said earlier about tapping into understanding for yourself. Is this serving me? Is this, am I okay with this? And because I think you're right, we could have, we could be okay with the status quo and just say, okay, this is the cultural norm. If you're not burnt out, then you're not doing your job because everybody else is working at this pace that's expected across the board. And it doesn't have to be that way for you. And, and, and I'd like to hear maybe some additional thoughts you have on what, what really, sunk in for you that on that shift that, you know what, this isn't for me anymore? Well, that's a great question, by the way. You know, what I talk about in, in the book and just overall is it doesn't need to be so hard. And I just didn't know that. So when I started to work with my mindset coach and you know, we'd go to a session and just mm-hmm. say, you're doing great, you're getting clients, you're getting renewals, you're building programs. And I'd be like, and she'd be like, what do you mean? Are you waiting for the other shoe to drop? And I said, yes, because in corporate, you can't get too high. You can't get too low. You're always waiting. At least I was always waiting for the shoe to drop because invariably it does. You lose a client. You lose an employee. Your revenue tanks, yeah. your revenue spikes. There's, you kind of have to mod- self-modulate, right, mm-hmm. to do that. So when I realized that I didn't have to beat myself up in order to be successful, which is why I named my book the way I did, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, you mean I did corporate wrong all those years. I thought that's what drove me to be successful and beat myself up and rehash things. And how could I have done things differently, better? And that drove me. But you know what it did? It drove me crazy. Yes, yes. Right? Wow. How about just giving yourself some grace and saying, hey, it was a tough week. We get to start all over again on Monday and we get to do a better job. But I didn't Mm -hmm. do that. I was like, I felt like self-flagellation was the way to go. And I'm like, I was... If I had any marks on me, it means physical marks on me, which I didn't, but if they were, I would have been a body beat up physically because I just couldn't take the foot off the gas pedal because I was worried about running out of gas. Mm. Now I realize that it doesn't have to be like that. It just doesn't. People are much more comfortable leaning into what they've done wrong versus what they've done right. And we need them to lean into what done what they've done right so that they can continue to improve and, and be confident not beaten down. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, this point is really important. My experience is what you, what you focus on expands. 
and grows and you, you shine your light on all your failings or perceived failings, that's where your energy is going. And when you, if you, if it's possible to shift that into acknowledging all the amazing things that we are doing. And so in my experience, what I noticed with myself is I would skip over that. It was almost like, oh yeah, well you, you did this thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's next? I'm now I'm trying to do the next thing without actually taking the time to really let it sink in that. I had come so far and I did so much and I am raising kids and they're great. And I mean, like we could actually, we could be so supportive of ourselves and what all the amazing things we are already doing. It it does make such a big difference. It does. And in my group program, we, on Fridays, we make all the attendees go through accomplishments for the week and you can hear the hedging in the beginning. Well, I didn't do as well as this person, or it wasn't a big deal when I did this. Like we do so much hedging, right? And we really try to dismantle that. Like I had a great week. No one. Period. Period. Right. Right. I'm proud of myself because I made it home for dinner three times with my family. When? When's the last time that happened? So no, no amount of accomplishment is too small, but you are right that people tend to overlook this, their accomplishments and the things that come easy to them. Mm. So I've had sessions with my clients, and I know you're a coach also, where I had one client, I wrote about her in the book, that was like, I turned around, the CEO doesn't like my new employee, I'm working with her to turn it around, and she did. But she didn't put that on any list of accomplishments. And I'm like, is there anything more important than developing talent? And turning around talent, you know how much money you save the company? Didn't put it down as an accomplishment. And it is. It's a huge accomplishment. But I think women are, I don't want to stereotype too much, but I think women are just not very good at tooting their own horn. And certainly the stuff, as I said, that comes easy to them. They just, they just, well, that's not a big deal. It is yeah. a big deal. Yeah. I think it's true. Tooting our own horn is not our natural inclination to do. It feels like we're bragging or sometimes it feels, oh, well, I'm just putting out all these positives, almost like you're promoting yourself too much in a sense. But it is really important because it, it, it provides ourselves that avenue to Pat ourselves on the back. And how are people supposed to know all of the things that we're doing unless we are talking about it? And that that was a big shift for me. Mm -hmm. You shift. So if you write down your accomplishments, they're good for your one-on-ones. They're good for your performance reviews. They're good to prepare for an interview. There's no, it is helpful all the way around. Plus you get into a good muscle memory of just really starting to realize Mm -hmm. that you are doing much more than you're giving yourself credit for. Oh, yeah. I think that's important. It's funny because I started, I actually bought a a journal recently just to write daily accomplishments, even the really teeny tiny ones. And after the end of the first couple of weeks, I don't think I did anything differently, but I felt like I was like really kicking butt. I was like, wow, look at it. I'm doing great. But it was just the fact that I sat down and I thought about it and wrote it down and realized 
just, I guess, the reflection of it, like there are so many things that we're doing right and doing well and allowing ourselves to feel that positive piece of it. And as you said, it's about focus. So the fact that you're taking the time to do it every day is focus mm-hmm. and it expands mm-hmm. as you continue to focus on it. Yeah. So I want to also get some of your wisdom around intuition. I know that we talked about this previously. That's something that that's important to you and maybe you look at it a bit differently. Can you talk to me about this topic? Yeah, yeah, you did. You leaned in. Tell me a bit about intuition and the importance of it. And how can we start to tap into our own intuition? That's a big one for me. So mm-hmm. I think intuition, all of us have intuition. We all get that prickly feeling on our, the back mm-hmm. of our neck. That's intuition. That's knowing without facts right there. Danger. And that's really powerful. But minus danger. There are moments in our everyday lives when we get a, this doesn't feel right, or that feels right. And we, I think a lot of times we tend to ignore them. So, but for me, my intuition worked to that like this. I'd go into a meeting, a huge presentation, and I would know instinctively who the decision maker was. Or I could feel the energy in the room if we were going to get fired. Or I, if I walked by an employee, I could just do a management by walking around and tell if an employee was sort of off kilter. So I, my intuition was always part, and our CEO, who was amazing, used to say we do monthly operational reviews, financial reviews, business reviews, people reviews, risks, future look, just a very comprehensive every month. It was, it was a lot of work, but it was very good. And sometimes at the end, she would just say, what's your gut? Or you can do, and that gut is just really leaning into what's going on inside your body, not using your logical brain. Sometimes we overthink things. A lot of times we overthink things. So what's your, how are you feeling in your body? So for me, my body gave out on me, right? I couldn't digest food. And it was when I've said, I think I said this to you when we spoke earlier, is I feel like my body was a ping pong or something was going on. Oh, we'll try to make Donna not sleep. We'll try to make her irritable. We'll try to do all these things. And I wasn't paying attention to any of them. But when I couldn't digest food, I salads, sorry, not all foods. Then I was like, huh, I better do something about this because I really like to eat salad and I really want to figure out what's going on here. I had all the signs in my body. I mean, if you look at burnout, I had every single classic symptom of burnout and workaholism. Couldn't go to sleep, slept with my phone under bed, was answering emails at three in the morning, didn't take vacations. There's something I didn't have a great life. Not poor me. I just didn't have any boundaries or anything. Mm-hmm. So intuition at the end hit me over the head and because I was my body was saying, please stay up. Please pay attention to what's going on in your body because we're not going to let you ignore this anymore. But if it's your question is, how do you lean into that? When I, I did take intuition classes with a forensic medium, believe it or not, during COVID, it was a course that said, hey, do you want to tap into your intuition? I was like, who doesn't want that? Then I get on the phone and or Zoom call and it's with a, a medium, like a psychic medium. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. But yeah. I did it for you. Because what else? When you get out of your brain and you just, she would say, do you think something's going on? Because once you think you're in your brain, once you're like, what is the rest of my body telling me? And I know that sounds lightly woo, but we all are getting some messages that we are ignoring or paying attention to. 
right? People who didn't get on flights that eventually crashed. They that they got some sort of message. Yeah, you have you've heard that. I mean, that's a weird. I just pulled that out of thin air. But do you have an example of one for you? Because I think we all get instances of intuition. Oh gosh, yeah. Just even having this podcast, I felt it was my intuition pulling me towards it. And I say that because I really didn't want to do it. In my head, I had all the reasons why it's too scary. I don't know if I'll have enough things to talk about. Like, how do I even start? All this kind of stuff. But I kept coming back to it. And it kept just popping back in. And so for me, that that was more of intuition pulling me towards something that I should consider, even though if I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I really want to do it. And that's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about intuition, and I don't know that people on this podcast are going to be worried too much about woo woo type stuff, but if you take it at a performance level and the, the, a human person has so much capability, right? So you have your thinking mind, your brain, And if you can also then tap into your body and the knowledge in your body, and there is so much there to be noticed, whether or not it's screaming at you, hey, Donna, we've tried everything. You're burnt out. You need to stop. I'm not going to let you eat one of your favorite things to eat. I mean, that got your attention, right? And so I think part of it is we have so many capabilities. Are we using them all? And what kind of difference could that make for us being able to use all the capabilities we have and not just leaning into just what's going on in our brain and what logic is telling us and that kind of a thing? Yeah. I mean, I have one chapter in my book on intuition, which you and I talked about. And so some of the signs for me were our numbers, right? And I think everybody has like a favorite number or whatever. And for me, it was 33. I lived at 33. I'm sure Larry Bird is 33. I'm from Boston, so I'm a proud Bostonian. And then I was looking through pictures for my social media person. Did I tell you the story? And then no, I, it was, she said, do you have any pictures of you and growing up as a child? She was just getting me organized for social media. And I said, yeah. So I pulled in a picture of my brother and I, my oldest brother and I dancing. And at a, I, I don't even know, it must have been a wedding party or something. And I turn the, I turn it over. Now, in the picture is a picture of my mom and dad. My dad just passed and my mom's been by for 40 years. On the back side of the picture is handwriting 33 mm. in handwritten like pen. And I'm like, the number follows me around. And then I look up what the number 33 means. And it means master teacher. And I'm a coach. I went away with my girlfriends. We ended up in room 33. Like the number follows me around. So people will have, I think people do that with 1111 and some other things. But I mean, I, be- I believe that there are, if you pay, if you focus, like you said earlier, you will see signs all around you mm. and inside you. Inside, outside. This number thing just came up for me recently in the last oh, really? two months, maybe a month. Oh, so interesting, And I'm seeing, right? oh my gosh, it freaked me out. Don Susan, a little bit. No, I know. Because I, 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 yeah. No, it freaked me out because it was so like, I was seeing 11, 22, and 44. Those are the numbers I'm seeing everywhere, like literally everywhere. 
I'll glance at the clock always at the those exact times, stuff like that. I see it so all over the place. See what it means because there's some significance usually with numbers. Yeah, there is. There is. It, it, there are a lot of things. It, it has to do with, I think, 11, I have to remember exactly, but has to do a lot with being on the right path. It's almost anyway. like yeah. support. It's supportive. Like, I see this and then I know to keep going and to not to lose faith. And so I brought it up because I think people don't know what to make of that, but it's all information. It's and when you looked it up and you said, I'm on the right path, you made a massive change after 16 years in corporate. And you had mm-hmm. mentioned that you didn't want to do this podcast, but you got pulled to it. And you're doing such amazing work. So I'm so glad you listened to your intuition. Thank you, Don. So let's talk a bit about, let's, I want to go back to burnout because I think it is such a big topic. And I want to talk to you about What are some of the things that people can do? A lot of people are not ready to just up and leave their their line of work. And I always want to stress this in a lot of my episodes is that's not what we're trying to convince you to do. What can people do to once they realize and they start to notice within their body and just their environment that I'm burnt out and I'm ready to do something differently? to make a change, what kind of strategies can we work on? I'm really glad you said that because the idea of burnout, just to take it one step further, is if you don't deal with the underlying issues of why you're burnt out, it will follow you. It just doesn't magically go away because you decide to switch companies or switch whatever. So recognizing that you are burnt out is the first step. You can't make a change unless you actually acknowledge where you are and you're aware of where you are. That's, I think, I don't know if you agree with me on that. Mm -hmm. But in my group coaching program and even in some of my privates, what steps can you take? And sometimes a little step, and I know you know this, is a big step. So in my group coaching program, which we do for high-performing female leaders, you have women that are just like, they're ready to just, I mean, they're so overworked. I thought of being Mm -hmm. doing the program overwhelms them. But we'll have people just shut your laptop off an hour early, just decline a meeting, Mm -hmm. buy store-bought goods for a bake sale instead of having Mm -hmm. to bake. So little changes. I know these all sound minimal, but if you're shutting your laptop early and you decide instead of working till 9 o'clock, you'll work till 5.30, and then maybe you get back online after the kids go to bed. Not that I'm recommending that. But to to take some time back, the only person that can do that is you. Your company is never going to say to you, hey, why don't you take time to have dinner with your family? Maybe they will, but they're not going to police you about that. They're not going to say, go to your favorite workout class at seven o'clock, go to your favorite spin class. So once Mm -hmm. people have permission to take some time back in their lives, burnout has a lot to do with having no boundaries too. You might actually work in a burnout culture where the expectations are that you work 24-7. I'm watching Suits right now. That is somewhat the ex- expectation. But for you to say, I'm going home, I'm doing my class, I'm taking a meeting, walking, instead of sitting in front of a computer all day, you can take baby steps and it will make you feel better. I've seen women transform when they start to do those things because they realize they have more control over their life than they originally thought. And I hope none of that minimizes that burnout exists but you have to take charge of fixing it. No one else is going to do that for you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I do. I think I think taking small steps is important. Really understanding and implementing boundaries. I think it's being about it's about being intentional about it. Just and for me, it's I think what we really need to internalize as people and as women is that our time is valuable just as valuable as other people's time if not more valuable because it's your time and so taking time for your priorities whether that's working out being with your family so it's about knowing what those priorities are for you and making a point to make time for it and then like you said taking seeing how it goes take a little baby step on what what if i close my laptop at 5 how did that go? Did the did the world fall apart? I'm so glad you said that because I always say, did the world did the world end? Because it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. So I mean, that's those are my tips, and I've seen women, and I'm sure you have in your practice too, transform when they realize that that's always available to them. Not all the time, twenty four seven, but the little baby steps are available. You don't lose ten pounds overnight. I wish right. you could. Right? You have to take a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the idea of baby steps and it, it, it doesn't have to be 24 seven. I think the, the reality of work is that you have these peaks and valleys of times where you, hopefully some valleys, but you know, it's not all peak, right. but there are times where you need to put it, go in above and beyond your typical day and a deadline or this or that. So that exists. And the key is to make sure through priorities, boundaries, and taking steps that that's not how it is at every day and the weekends. You know what I mean? That's not the mode of, of your day-to-day flow. Right. And a lot of women feel guilty because uh, mm-hmm. as working moms, they're at home, they're distracted. At work, they're like, well, "I got to pick up some. I'm not. I'm not at school. Who's going to pick it?" There's always logistical stuff. So that mm-hmm. guilt, if we can reduce that guilt factor, that you have to do everything for everyone all the time and not for yourself, it reduces so much tension on the body. Once you realize that you don't have to live like that, you just don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you only have one life. So the world. That's so important for women. I think to just realize that it. It doesn't need to be that hard. It doesn't need to be that hard. <sighs> I'm letting that sink in. That's still something that I'm learning for myself because I think I have a limiting belief around that success takes a lot of hard, hard work. work. Yeah. So the work hard in of itself puts a work. It takes work, but work that you mm-hmm. want to do. When you mm-hmm. label something as hard or good or bad, a lot of the work that I do with my clients is about word choices. Mm-hmm. The way you talk to yourself, oh, this is going to be hard work. And then you have an easy week and then you make more money than you did the week before. And you're like, hey, what's going on here? And I'm not saying that's all, the only factor, right, in money, because I don't want people to think that's what I'm all about. In my business, it's, it doesn't have to be clenched. Like ease actually brings good flow right? Less blockage. Mm-hmm. Less yes, it does. System when you're in ease, right? When they say somebody's in flow, when you see someone swish a basketball, that looks like flow, but there are years of hard work behind that. So I think that that notion of it has to be hard to be good. Has, we have to dismantle that because it has done us a huge disservice 
as working professionals. Yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that what, up around words and watching how you define things and put labels on things that don't have to be there. And so it's it's a lot about questioning it. Does work have to be hard? No, it doesn't. Although some people haven't experienced that yet, but you could, is it possible for it not to be hard? Are there examples of other people who have built something without it being so hard? And so you can start to kind of shift your perspective of what work looks like and what's possible for it. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to leave this podcast and think, I think work is easy or hard. I think work is work and that our words make it one way or the other. Working 10 hours yeah. one day means, oh, I had a huge pitch or there was a crisis at work and I, I, I needed to get this done. It's different than, oh, work was hard today. So word choices should should be eliminated, right? It's a terrible word of judgment. Oh, I should have gone to the gym versus I want to go to the gym, which is more likely to happen. Want versus yeah. should, have to, need. So I like the word police. I like the want because it implies choice. And when we choose something, we're more likely to do it. If you say should, it, it feels like, oh, well, other people are telling me I should do this, but I don't really want to. And so there's resistance there to doing it. And, and it, when this resistance is less likelihood that you're going to do the thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to start to wrap up this interview, Donna. I'd love to hear any closing thoughts on burnout or intuition or anything else you want to leave with our audience? I would say, based on who your audience is and who you are, is trust yourself more. I loved your last comment is what other people think influences us so much in our early and mid-career and maybe even later career. But what you did, which is so powerful, is you left your corporate career of 16 years and you let your intuition lead you to this podcast. Everybody has that available to them. Trust yourself more. Not everybody else knows what's best for you. And I think that's the most important message. That I, and it doesn't, my message is, A, say it like it is, is my personal brand. We do a lot of, we spend a lot of time and energy not saying the things we really want to say. Mm. And who does that hurt most of all is us by not saying the things. And it just doesn't need to be so hard. And we can learn different ways to be in the world that don't attack us all the time, don't cause us to have burnout and make us feel guilty and less than. And it's like a failure because we're good enough as we already are. We are already enough. Like everybody listening, everybody here, we just have to believe that. We are already enough. That is beautiful, Donna. I believe that too. And each person listening, we believe that for you. Well, if we could just let everybody know, where can we contact you? Look, check out your work, connect with you, Donna. Well, I loved being with you today and thank you for doing what you do. I know I started out that way, but after listening to you, just even interviewing me today, I just think what you do is such a service. And so thank you. But I am really at D-Star Consultants is my website. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn, under Tom Star, on Instagram, D-Star Coach. And then on Amazon, you can grab my book, I'm Successfully Successful. Well, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, your presence. And I, I really enjoyed this conversation, Donna. Thank you so much. I did too. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, I would love for you to subscribe. 
If you're already a subscriber, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend. Hope you all have an amazing week. Until next time. Bye.